Strange things wake at the stroke of twelve. To some, this summons the idea of witches, demons, and a variety of other monsters, both popular and obscure. To others, the stroke of the clock is merely an arbitrary marker on the passage of time. As is often the case, though, there is more here than meets the eye, and it's in that exploration that we learn and grow. I'm Blue Crew 86, and this is a Focused Fire Chat Snapshot. The Nameless Midnight, a legendary weapon in the game Destiny 2 that takes the form of a kinetic scout rifle. The weapon is given to our Guardian by Commander Zavala after completion of the complete Two Strikes milestone that is used to introduce players to the Strike playlist. Also offered as choices are the Auto Rifle Origin Story and Pulse Rifle Nightshade. But let's be honest, you're gonna pick the Nameless Midnight. To cover the mechanics of the weapon quickly, the Scout Rifle offers a standard three choices of scopes, the Red Dot 2 MOA, Red Dot Micro, and Rifle Scope SSF. For those who are curious, MOA stands for Minutes of Angle. A general rule of thumb when looking at this is that the smaller the number, the smaller the red dot, which means that it might take longer to acquire a target, but ultimately will be more accurate. Standard MOA tends to hover around 4, so a 2 is a more accurate but also more sensitive scope for this rifle. The acronym SSF seems to be an invention of Bungie, and might stand for something similar to Smart Sight Focus, given the fact that many real-world sights and scopes use a similar term, Smart Sight. Considering the use of the phrase Focused Scope, the combination would logically make more sense than my initial thought of Sodium Storage Facility, though the gun does generate a bit of salt from time to time, especially in the Crucible. Anyways... As far as magazine options go for the Nameless Midnight, you have two options here, Flared, Magwell, or Steady Rounds. Now I'm going to leave the arguments and deconstruction of the fine details on the differences between the two options for better suited minds. Since the names are pretty straightforward in regards to what they do, and they don't hold any significant bearing on the overall lore of the gun itself. Intrinsically, the Midnight has a precision frame, again something that's pretty self-explanatory, as well as a source of the aforementioned sodium storage facility theory of mine. The final trait that the gun holds is, in my opinion, the one that makes it one of my favorites. Explosive payload. Because who doesn't love a gun in a first-person shooter that not only hits like a truck, but also looks like it hits like a truck? Seriously, it's a blast too. Yes, yes, I meant to do that. To play with. But enough with the easy mechanic puns. We have a fair amount of trivia to dive into. First up, let's chat a bit about what exactly is meant by the term midnight. The concept of midnight is, in fact, an ancient concept, and the myth about midnight events does predate the widespread use of clocks, which historically, while being one of the oldest human inventions, has gone through its own interesting evolution. However, the widespread and common access to the device that we know today as a clock didn't actually occur until around the 15th or 16th century. While the first mechanical device was seen around 1300 in Europe, it wasn't until the 15th century that we saw spring-driven designs appear. Generally speaking, during those times, the idea of midnight was the period of time that was considered literally the middle of the night, hence the term midnight. The introduction of a mechanical device that could arguably arbitrarily document the passage of time allowed for a documentation of this point, and the defining of the transition time from one day to the next was made. 
Generally, it is assumed that by clock time, midnight is the opposite of noon, differing from it by 12 hours. Intriguingly, there are a few differing types of midnight, most of which are more fluid than the clock time term of 12 o'clock. One of these is the idea of solar midnight, which, depending on the longitude and time of the year, rarely coincides with 12 midnight on clock. Generally throughout the year, midnight marks the beginning and ending of each day, a dividing point between one day and another. This has led to a number of debates on what the exact time this transition occurs, and a surprising amount of arguments that splice the event down to the instant. Note here that it is pretty widely accepted that when a clock displays 12 a.m., the instant of midnight has already passed, and the period before noon of the new day has begun. This is where you see the 24-hour time notation actually extended to show seconds instead of the normal display of hours and minutes. Now this leads to the next fairly obvious trivia connection, the significance of midnight in regards to the trope of when the clock strikes 12, which honestly has a few oddities when you really start looking into it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Quite frequently, we see the idea of deadlines being midnight both in reality and in mythology. The biggest question seems to be, why? It can be argued that it might just be because that's the time when the day officially ends, but in regards to shows or stories, some would also point to the fact that it feeds into something often referred to as the rule of drama. This rule is, to be blunt, the idea that if potential for conflict is visible, then it's never going to be passed up in a production. This mostly stems from the basic point that without drama or conflict, you don't have a show to entertain your audience with, and if you don't have a show, then what are you doing? This translates into fictional stories being generally more drawn out, messier, usually unpredictable and complicated, even for the most OCD of planners. Usually especially for those figures of the cast. Essentially, the rule of drama argues that the journey is more important than the destination. So even though it might not be remotely realistic, and it definitely isn't going to ease the mind of the characters involved, the writers are going to go that route to ensure that there is substance to cover. This is why, often, you see in fiction the use of a clock, at which point the deadline is almost always going to be at the end of the last stroke of 12, which... To be honest, is odd, because if this was reality, the start of the chimes would actually be the deadline, not the ending. But that's just me being nitpicky. Ignore any ideas of time zones or crazy things like daylight savings times as well, because it's always the same time when the rule of drama is involved. This jumps into the next concept of the witching hour, which is where we start seeing another connection to the flavor text of the Nameless Midnight in regards to the strange things wake. So a bit of history here. The idea of a witching hour is generally a time of night that is associated with supernatural events, obviously most often with witchcraft. The term was first recorded sometime around 1825 or 1835 according to the American Heritage Idiom Dictionary. This idea of it being around the time of midnight, though in some areas it is more often assumed to be around 2 to 6 a.m., seems to gain popularity due to the traditions of medieval church prayers being structured around what is known as the Liturgy of the Hours. Now, it was during this point in time, between the Midnight Office and Matins, or Orthos, prayer services, that was the longest point in time that there weren't any prayers traditionally being recited. Arguably, this would mean that the defense against the darker aspects of the spirit world would be the weakest. It is also known 
as the devil's hour. And historically in Europe, you actually see records of women who are caught outside without sufficient reasons during these hours. Again, remember that in different areas, the time frame differed a bit, were detained and in some cases executed on suspicion of witchcraft. So one such example of the witching hour can actually be seen in The Raven, a poem published in 1845 by Edgar Allan Poe that utilizes both the rule of drama as well as the concept of the witching hour. The poem tells of a talking raven's mysterious visit to a distraught man at midnight in the midst of lamenting the loss of his love, a woman by the name of Lenore, who is described as, quote, nameless forevermore, end quote. Over the course of the poem, the audience follows the men's descent into madness over the trauma of the loss, somewhat instigated by the raven, who, while perched on a bust of Pallas, constantly repeats the word nevermore. A note here that the figure Pallas, which is a symbol of wisdom, was used by Poe to indicate that the narrator was a scholar, something that he also used the image of the narrator sitting at the start of the poem reading books of lore, most commonly assumed to be of dark magic. It can be seen with the combination of the social view of the month of December as being a traditionally associated with the forces of darkness due to it being in the winter, along with the social understanding of the witching hour, that Poe presents the raven as a catalyst for the man's fall. Through the course of the poem, the narrator goes from assuming the bird to be a lost pet before finally ending on the conclusion that it is a thing of evil or darkness that has been sent as an omen to doom him for eternity. Poe, through the use of the witching hour as a construct in the gothic poem, brings the dramatic horror elements to life in, for his time, a new and unique manner, and this is one of the reasons that he is viewed as a central figure of romanticism, especially that of dark romanticism, which as a genre is interestingly enough a literary reaction to transcendentalism. But don't get me started on that tangent. Poe's use of the concept of midnight here is, again, only one example of the literary use of the witching hour, but it is relevant here because of the concept of the focal point of something nameless being woken at midnight. More information on this can actually be seen over on Destiny Armory Defined by Rhino666, links of which can be found in the show notes. More details on the social construct of the witching hour or the historical development of the concept of time and mechanical devices for tracking can also be given by me over on the Focus Fire Chat Discord server. I'm going to read this excerpt of The Raven to bring this snapshot to a close. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered." Tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my book's surcrease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore. For the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, nameless here forevermore. I'm truly looking forward to exploring more of these connections with all of you in the future. So please let me know if there's a particular item that you would like to see a snapshot on through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, or over on the Discord server. And as always, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright.
This episode of Focus Fire Chat Snapshot was produced and written by me, BlueCrew86, with research assistance by Rhino666 from DestinyArmoryDefined.com and music by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. For more information like the details discussed here, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com and join us for a chat over on the Discord server, links to which can be found on our website.